We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. everyone and welcome back to another episode of a pack a day podcast wherever you may be and however you may be listening thank you so much for making us part of your day my name is nick schmitz and boy do we have a loaded show for you guys today lots going on and here we are two weeks into the season and the packers are sitting at two and oh which i must admit uh when we did our kind of season predictions. I was kind of pessimistic. I had them for sure losing to the Bears, and I didn't even feel good about the Vikings game at Lambeau. So I am so glad to be sitting here today being very wrong about my prediction. And, you know, it's just it's not what I expected, but I think we can all agree that 2-0 and is better than 0-2 or 1-1 or even 1-0-1, which is where they were sitting last year at this time. So joining me today, Maggie. Jacob not with us today, Maggie. He is waiting on the birth of his second child. So he is currently waiting for his wife to give birth. I know you're very excited about it, um, and I'm sure we will see... I'm sure in the coming future you'll hear something from Jacob on Twitter about it. So... Congratulations to him and his wife and his family on that. Uh, he should be back, we're hoping, next week. But um, just 
you know, best wishes to him and his wife and his family. That's awesome. And Maggie, I got to start by asking you this. Week one wasn't so great for your husband and the Browns. The other night, 26-3, I believe, was the final, 26-6, something. I I didn't watch the game. I I will admit I did not watch the whole Monday night game. But the Browns now, 1-1, looked pretty good. So how's he feeling today about his team? Yeah, so the final score ended up being 23-3. to And... I think that he feels pretty optimistic, but it's also hard to be optimistic when you beat a third string Jets quarterback. So he's excited because the offense definitely looked better. The defense, Miles Garrett is just a stud. Like I don't even have words to describe what kind of player he is on defense. So they have some good key pieces to that Browns team, but I think they have to beat someone a little better than the Jets before we, uh, put any stock in their their success well you know and agreed but you know still it's one of those things kind of like where we're sitting right now wins are wins and doesn't necessarily matter how it's coming you got to take them when you can get them so I want to I want to start the podcast today by asking you this you were at the game on Sunday against the Vikings and it's been somewhat of a topic of conversation for Packer fans over the past couple of years, and that is the environment at Lambeau. And you were there. You experienced it firsthand. What was the environment like at Lambeau on Sunday? I mean, it is Tuesday night as we record this, and I'm still pounding cough drops because my throat is scratchy and hurts, and it's still coming back. So the media team has done a phenomenal job Um, A lot of the players recorded messages for the video board that encouraged fans to get loud. Um, Blake Martinez, Zedarius, and Preston Smith. Of course, they did one together. They had to. Uh, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. um, Some of the offensive players like Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. So the energy is there, and the players kind of expect it and feed off of it. And I've got to say, in all the games I've been to at Lambeau, despite the fact that there was way more purple in the stadium than I think is ever acceptable, especially for a home opener. Um, It was loud and I've never seen it like that. It felt like a playoff environment. It was incredible. No one told me to sit down (laughs) (laughs) and I was standing most of the game, but especially on third downs, it was one of the most fun games I've been to, if not the most fun because the atmosphere was unlike anything I've seen. And it's, it's about time. Like it is so exciting. Well, and, you know, just to kind of go off of that, I think it says kind of a lot about where the environment is at with so many people talking about how many Viking fans were at the game. The fact that there were that many and it still was so loud. If you could just imagine then if it was, I don't know what the split was, but let's just say it was 60-40 Packer fans. If you could get that to 80-20 and what that would be like, that would be – I. I I don't even want to start thinking about how loud it could be, but that's really great to hear that the environment is great. And it's one of those things. It seems small. It seems insignificant, but I guarantee you most any player would tell you that they feed off of that energy. And that's, that's really important. It's one of the few things that we as fans can do to really help the team, especially when we're there at the games. Again, we're not making plays. We're not really doing anything. We're just the fans in the stands, but any little bit that they can get those players hyped, that's that's really great to hear, especially since it's been really a big topic of conversation for this Packers fan base as of late. But, Maggie, 
today we're going to be talking about this Packers offense versus the Broncos defense this coming weekend. And I want to start with this because this offense Sunday, red hot start, 21 points, and you're barely into the second quarter, and you're thinking – there's no way Green Bay puts up 42 points on this great Minnesota defense. And then it cooled off way, way too much, and no more points the rest of the game. Granted, it was enough to get the win, but, you know, it was one of those things. After the Bears game, we were kind of like, well, you know, it's, you know they did enough. They did enough to win. They made enough plays to get the win. And it was on the road, tough defense, and... Same thing, you come home, you play the Vikings, another tough defense. But you get concerned when you see something like that. You, you start, like I said, three straight drives, it looks great, and then you get nothing for the rest of the game. It's bizarre. It's really odd. And you start to think, well, yes, the Vikings have a great defense, but there's no reason that you'd start with three straight drives, get three touchdowns, and then not get any more points, right? It's, it's just even even when you're doing something like this new offense, putting it together, take some time. But then I started thinking about something. And I, w- I went back and I looked this up because I wanted to know exactly when it started. Starting in 2010, the NFL did something with their scheduling. You can go look this up. I had to look it up. Starting in 2010, if you go back and you look at every game in Week 17 from 2010 t- through this current season, you will notice that every game on the Sunday schedule, Week 17, is division opponents. No, without exception, everybody's playing a divisional game in Week 17. Why did the NFL do that? It's simple, and I'll give you an example. Let's pretend the Packers get to Week 17 this year, and they're 11-4, and and they need to get that 12th win in Week 17, and if they get that 12th win, they would get a first-round bye, and we'll just say for the sake of argument and give them home field advantage in the playoffs, right? And say their Week 17 opponent is the 3-12 and Giants. What do the 3-12 and Giants care if the Packers win that game and get home field advantage in the playoffs and a bye? They're 3-12. and They want to get the season over with. They don't – I mean, they care. The players care, but they don't – they're not deeply invested. The Packers aren't a division rival. Who cares if they win that game? Well, let's give you the same example. 11-4, first round by home field advantage on the line, and you got to play the 2-13 and 13 Vikings. Now, the Vikings are in the same position, being 2-13. and 13, Their season's over. They want to get on with the offseason. Now, again, they care because pride, reputation on the line. But they look at the Packers and they say, you're a division rival. We, we want to make you work extra harder for championships. We care. We have to play you two times every season. We live right next door to each other. We don't like each other. If you were on Twitter at all this past week and even bleeding into this week, Viking fans, a lot of them have been crying about this past weekend, which is, for me, being a Packer fan raised in Minnesota, I love it. But, again, it matters. The NFL did that on purpose. They started scheduling division opponents in Week 17 for that reason because a division opponent's not going to roll over and die on a team. So when I started looking at it, Green Bay jumped out to a 21 nothing lead. It's early in the season. Now, the Vikings think they have a chance to make the playoffs this year. I don't really think they do, but they think they do, and it's early in the season. It's a divisional game. So when they go down 21 nothing, 
they're not just going to roll over and let Green Bay continue to punch them in the mouth. They're going to make adjustments, and even if they lose, even if they lose, they're going to make Green Bay work for every last yard, every last point. And so when I started thinking about it, as cons- it, there's still a little bit of concern that you go three straight and then nothing for the rest of the game. But when you really think about it, Minnesota's got a great defense, and their their whole team and reputation is really built around that defense. So that defense isn't itself going to roll over and die because they know they're the heart and soul of the team. So when I started thinking about it like that, that it's a division opponent, second week in a row, it's a big game. It's still a little concerning that you didn't get anything beyond that third drive, but it's not as concerning as you might think it would be because, again, like I said in this whole breakdown here that took me a little longer than I probably wanted it to, but they're a division opponent. They're not simply just going to let Green Bay run away with a game. So start thinking about it like that a little bit. I expect to see things, especially now that they've gotten through two division games. And, I mean, Maggie, I think you and I can both agree. Those first three drives, I mean, was unlike anything we've seen in a while. I, it was – yeah. That was a lot of fun to watch. And on those first three drives, I after the, on the well, by the time they got to the third drive and the fourth drive, I was like, they can't stop us. And that's how mm-hmm. it felt. Um, but so when you look at this, when you look at this team, are you concerned at all that they went three straight drives, 21 points, and then nothing for the rest of the game? Is there any concern there? Or again, is this just a top elite defense and a division opponent that doesn't want to let you just get a free game. Not in the slightest. And I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but one of the key points that Aaron Jones made at his locker after the game, you know, they asked him about that. How did the offense stall? And he said, well, they get paid money too. And they also are making adjustments. So as we're making adjustments on offense, they're making adjustments on defense because now they've seen what we're bringing to the table. So it doesn't bother me at all. Aaron Rodgers talked about it a little bit too. He mentioned, and I firmly believe that if Geronimo Ellison doesn't fumble that ball, they're at least getting three points. I think they would have for sure gotten a touchdown. That was kind of a freak play that got punched out while he was in the air. I know that he has to secure the ball better, but there's points there that were left on the table. Uh, The miscommunication on the Aaron Rodgers thought it was a fourth down, or a first down, it was actually a fourth down. Matt LaFleur didn't call a timeout in time. There's more missed opportunities for points. So realistically, you could have been 31 to 7 at the half, and that doesn't bode well for the second half of the game since the Packers could have put up points in the third and fourth quarters and did not. But there's still a lot that this offense is leaving, uh, like open for – you know, they're missing some opportunities. And if they start clicking, which I think the Broncos give them a good chance to do that. And we'll talk about that in a couple minutes, but this, there's a lot of points being left on the table and the Packers did double their score from 10 points the first week to 21 points this week. So no, not too concerned about the offense. You know, and one of the things that I know they asked Matt LaFleur about the offense after the game, especially in the second half, and one of the things, and I'm a, a lot of it is self-awareness, which I love from Matt LaFleur. I think he's very self-aware thus far in his short tenure. But one of the things, and you could tell, and, and I picked up on this right away, is in the first half, is even on the drives that they didn't score, there was one thing Matt LaFleur pointed out, which was that, 
they were getting into third downs a lot, but they were third and four, third and three, third and five, third and very manageable. And in the second half, they had a lot of third and seven plus, which were, you know, and again, third and seven plus is convertible in the NFL as it is. But when you're playing a top defense like the Vikings, it becomes that much harder to do. And that was one of the things that I noticed. The only thing that I will say that I was disappointed with the offense uh, in the second half specifically. It was the only thing that I didn't like, and I I think I understand the direction that LaFleur was coming from with his play calling, but I didn't like it was after the Kevin King interception in the end zone with about five minutes to go, they ran three straight pass plays through three straight incompletions and punted the ball away right away. I would have liked to have seen him run the ball once, maybe twice there. But then again, when he got the ball back after that, he really put the you know the run game to work there, and they were able to run out the clock. So it was good in that perspective. That was about my only criticism of his play calling in the second half. Was I, I, I don't think you can get an interception in that point in the game and not at least try to run the ball once. I understand the process of trying to get some positive yards going, but I don't want to beat that to death. Um, The only other thing, before we jump into this week's game, the one other thing that I really wanted to kind of touch upon, and again, I don't think it's, right now, it's not what I would consider a, a major concern. It's not alarming. It's just something that I think needs to be paid attention to as this offense moves on in the season. So again, everything needs to be kept in perspective that we're only two NFL games into this new system. Everybody's still learning. Rodgers is wearing one of those, as my wife calls, Buzz Lightyear cheat sheet, Mm -hmm. you know, flip bands on his arm for the first time since he's been in college. So there's obviously a learning process here, and everybody's affected by it. But the one thing that I I, I just want kind of your take on this, Maggie, because it's Again, it's not alarming right now, but it is something that could become concerning. And that's right now that in the passing game, it still feels very much like Devontae Adams and then everybody else and not a whole lot of plays being made beyond Devontae Adams. And do you expect to see that change? And who is the most likely of the receivers not named Devontae Adams to kind of step up and be that real true second option that Rodgers consistently trusts to throw the ball to. So I'm kind of jumping ahead here a little bit by answering this, but the Denver Broncos are ranked fourth overall right now in passing yards allowed per game. So their defense is really strong against the pass and the Packers have already gone up against two really strong defenses in that same aspect. So Devontae Adams, you know, kind of being slow rolling and finally getting some momentum against the Vikings. Um, He's going to have another big test against the Broncos. I think the Broncos are a better team than their record says. Uh, Aaron Rodgers looked to Geronimo Allison quite a bit against the Vikings. I know he had that unfortunate fumble, but I think he's someone that the team needs to step up. MVS is another guy that the team needs to step up. Um, But after the performance that we saw from the tight end group as a whole in Chicago, I was blown away by the fact, I think I saw the stat that there was one target and it was the Jimmy Graham drop that didn't count because they said it was offensive pass interference. So that tight end unit, if they can get going against a defense like the Broncos, that opens up 
a whole different lane, you know, for Aaron Rodgers, whether Jimmy Graham's in the slot or maybe like a Robert Tanyan's on the boundary. Mercedes Lewis has had some opportunities against Chicago. So that was a giant chunk of the Packers passing game that didn't show up against the Vikings. So I'm sure Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett will be working on how to game plan better for that tight end group against the Broncos this week. Well, so you brought it up. Let's actually jump into Packers-Broncos this weekend. So Von Miller probably, if he isn't the best pass rusher that they single-handedly the best pass rusher the Packers offense will go up against this year, he's got to be number two. And the only one I think you could put ahead of him maybe is Khalil Mack. So let's start with someone that you really want to give a lot of credit to. In Brian Bulaga, who has been a stud so far. And I think you were saying something along the lines that people, a lot of people owe him an apology. Yeah, I said exactly that, Nick. Thank you. Um, Everyone on Twitter that called him injury prone, I know it's only week two. So before you hop on Twitter to harass me about the fact that we have to give him multiple weeks before he gets injured, he is killing it. This whole offensive line is doing such a good job going up against two incredible front sevens, two of the best in the league in the Bears and the Vikings in back-to-back weeks. And then they have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb coming to town on Sunday. Another huge task. And um, David Bakhtiari is banged up. So Brian Balaga has been probably the most steady player along the offensive line through two weeks. And that says a lot. So I know it's only been two games, but when he's healthy – he has proven time and time again why the Packers didn't move on from him this offseason and go with a younger talent like Alex Light. Because I can almost guarantee that if Alex Light or Jason Spriggs was in the position that Brian Balaga has been in the last two weeks, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers comes out of these games as healthy as he did. Well, and you know, it, it's it's interesting that you you know that you point out one tackle over the other because it's not like it's not like all three of these teams, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Broncos, it's not like they just have one edge rusher that you can just really – like, they're coming from both sides, and they're studs all across the front front seven for all three of these teams. I mean, the amount of pass rush that the Packers will start the season with is absurd that they're playing against. I mean – as far as individual talent goes, it might be... And then you have the Eagles shortly after this. And it's not like their front seven's a joke either. I mean, it, you really look at the front sevens they've start the season with. It's absurd. And the fact that they're playing as well as they are against these front sevens actually says a lot about the Packers and especially the offensive line. And, you know, this is, again, and I... It, it's like it's like these are segued perfectly because <laughs> I... I it, it, one of the things that when we talk about offense, Packers offense versus who's ever defense, you know, it's always Aaron Rodgers, the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs. But we just pointed out that part of the success is due to the play of the tackles and the importance of the offensive line. So let's talk about the guard position. Elton Jenkins and I'm I'm sorry I'm forgetting the other the other guard. Help me out here, Maggie. Lane Taylor. Yes, Lane Taylor. So Lane Taylor started the game, and then Elton Jenkins came in and replaced him, and then they kind of went in on a rotation with it throughout the game. Uh, um, what do you make of that? That I mean, that seems odd for 
a, a position like that. I mean, there's not many positions offensive. I guess on the offensive line, it, it seems odd to do an actual rotation on the offensive line, not because of injury. Well, Matt LaFleur said in his postgame presser that the left tackle sp- or the left guard spot is going to be an open competition basically until somebody wins the job. And to be honest, Lane Taylor looked really good in the opening drive when he kind of just shoved Jamal Williams forward for a couple yards to get him in the end zone. He made some really impressive blocks on that drive to keep that momentum going. So I know the Packers want to see what they have in Elton Jenkins. And I think there was probably part of them realizing, Hey, we're up 21 to zero. Let's throw him in there and see how he performs against this front. But to rotate them back and forth, I did think was interesting. I guess I would have thought it would be one game on, one game off. Um, But I guess, you know, they are looking for cohesion and consistency along the line. So maybe the sooner they find who that guy is going to be, then the rest of the season they can build that line with the starting five. Um, Because a lot of people were expecting Lane Taylor to lose his job at some point during the season. I definitely didn't think it would be week two, but I think that, you know, Elton Jenkins is the natural successor to that left guard spot. And eventually Lane Taylor will slowly get weaned out of that. Yeah. So, I mean, and is it something that you expect to see them continue this weekend against the Broncos? I mean, I, again, I know it's all speculation, but I mean, is it something that you can see them actually continuing to do on a regular basis? I'm going to call my shot here so everyone can come yell at me if I'm wrong, which I probably will be, but I'll say Elton Jenkins gets a start against the Broncos. I'm just going to throw that out there. Maybe he will start the game at left guard and Lane Taylor will be on the bench for the opening drive. I'm sure they'll rotate back, but I'm thinking that he's going to get a, a long extended look in this offense on week three. Well, there you go. And please don't go harass her even if she's wrong. <laughs> Wait, that's that's not why Twitter's here. But so, all right. Well, let's let's move on to looking at this Broncos team. And standing across the sideline is somebody that the Packers are very familiar with in Vic Fangio, the head coach, was the defensive coordinator for the Bears, and he's great at what he does. Really great at what he does. Um, and so. What can we expect to see from this Broncos team? And, you know, it's weird because they're very familiar with Fangio and everything they did with the Bears. But then you have personnel groupings with the Broncos that you, as the Packers, only see once every four years. So even though they played four years ago and some players like Von Miller are still there, that defense can it probably looks completely different from the last time that they played them so what about familiarity helps the Packers this weekend with Fangio and what of it is completely new team different players and if he's even maybe changed how he schemes his defense a little bit is there anything the Packers can edge away from the Broncos because they know Fangio Well, I think knowing Fangio does help because they have a familiarity with what he's comfortable with. I don't think he would go to Denver and completely change the way that he runs his defense. So there's that. Um, The Broncos also have Bryce Callahan, who's a familiar face from Chicago, who is a pretty dominant man coverage slot corner. You know, he's beaten up the Packers in in the past. He's a speedy guy that the Packers will need to account for. 
But the thing that I love about this matchup is that there's so much balance. Everything is kind of flipped and mirrored, and it's really fascinating. So the Broncos have given up four touchdowns so far this season. The Packers have scored four touchdowns this season. The Broncos gave up three runs and only one passing touchdown. The Packers have scored three passing touchdowns and only one rushing touchdown. So what I'm looking forward to on Sunday is seeing how Aaron Jones does against this Broncos defense. We saw him get things going against the Vikings. He had 23 rushing attempts for 116 yards and a touchdown. He was averaging five yards a carry, which is what the Packers have come to expect. And fans kind of know what he can do. Um, And Aaron Rodgers is going to look like a human, which I think has been to me, one of the biggest storylines of this entire season is that Aaron Rodgers hasn't had to put on a cape yet and be a superhero. He's played two good games. I'm not saying that his talent has dropped off in any way, but as he learns the offense, he's put up some pretty good numbers still, 412 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and a QBR of 96.6. But he's not saving this team like he's had to in years past. So when he can start getting things rolling with a rushing game that's proving that it's taken a step, and you know when you get the tight end unit involved – it could be a really scary offense. And I think the Broncos will be a good test given how lean they've been in the passing game um, and kind of how weak they've been against the run. Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting when I look to this weekend, and again, I I, I think that you, you touched on a lot of great things there. And again, this is, this, is, this is a weird weekend in the sense that the biggest thing that I'm looking for from this Packers offense at this point in time after two weeks, I'm just looking for – more consistency within the offense. We know I I think Matt LaFleur showed that if like he can he can run this offense. It's a matter of getting it down to the point of doing it well for four quarters cuz I mean I'm I'm sorry, you don't just accidentally score on three straight drives with a new offense against this Vikings defense. You you don't just accidentally do that. That's coaching, that's skill, that's talent, that's all that kind of stuff that the Packers have there. It's now, at this point, really putting that together for four quarters. And one of the things that I think Green Bay this weekend is, I think one of the big advantages that they're going to have, even if they don't look as great offensively as, you know, Again, going up against this defense, it it might look a little bit like last Sunday, right? It, because this defense is so good. But I think one of the areas that Green Bay is going to really feel comfortable this weekend in what they're doing offensively is that, n- no disrespect, but I don't believe Denver's offense is all that great. I know Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl. I know they have some playmakers, and you can't just say they're a bad offense and not worry about them. But they don't they don't terrify me. And with the way this defense of Green Bay has played, I one thing that I really think they're going to be comfortable with this week offensively is taking certain plays and saying. I'm okay punting the ball away here because I know our defense can hold up against this less than stellar offense. So if it if don't expect them to, you know, score 35 points this weekend. I would love to see that. But again, if it's kind of another ugly game like it was against the Vikings, don't be surprised. Really what I would say this weekend with this offense, 
look for more consistency throughout the entirety of the game. That's what I'm looking for, and I think that's really what Green Bay should be focusing on, along with you know winning the game, of course, doing what you need to do to get the, the win. But I think more consistency is what they're going to be focusing on, and I think really establishing the run game is something they're going to really want to do, and I don't think they're going to be afraid, like I said, to punt the ball if they need to and play defense, which is something that is – completely foreign to say since that 2010 season the the words coming out of my mouth feel wrong and like it's a lie to say that they're okay playing defense but it's true I think that's where they've gotten at at this point in the season I think that's where they're at learning this offense they trust their defense and I just want to I want to give props because you I I, this is I'm shifting a little bit because we're not talking about the Packers defense today but I want to shift just a little bit because I feel like you a little bit on the flip side of Brian Belaga, everybody needs to go apologize to Kevin King because <laughs> that interception yes. that he made in the end zone, first of all, I was terrified when I saw the ball squared out. It's like they're not going to give that to him as a catch, which thankfully the NFL has fixed some of that. But that was a hell of a play by him, and I think he is really proven. And I don't think there was a whole lot of doubt about this, that when he's healthy, I think he's – if he's not the best corner on the team – He's for sure the second best, and it's only behind Jair. Kevin King is awesome. He is a stud. He's a great player, and we need to just forgive him. Uh, not not forgive him, but we just need to say sorry because that was a hell of a play in the end zone. And I love me some Kevin King, and I hope he can stay healthy because I love watching him play. So uh, last thing quickly before we wrap up here, Maggie, just give us – your takeaway, your final score, how's this game turning out on Sunday? So I will say that the Broncos are better than their record. I honestly think they should be one and one. I think they should have won that Bears game. I kind of thought that the roughing the passer call that kept the Bears alive was BS, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, The Broncos defense right now has zero sacks and zero interceptions after two games. Do I think that that stays? I don't know if they'll get an interception. They might get a sack. Aaron Rodgers does like to scramble, so it's entirely possible that a sack goes up on their stat sheet. But I wouldn't sleep on the Broncos, but I do think that given that they are better against the pass than the rush, expect a big game from Aaron Jones. I'd like to see the tight ends get involved. As you mentioned earlier, I'd like to see someone step up opposite Devontae Adams even Jake Kumro was getting some snaps. Um, Trevor Davis maybe gets a look, but someone needs to prove that they can be that guy uh, if it's not going to be MBS or Geronimo, which I still think it will be and can be. I think that the offense just needs to develop a little more. Um, I guess for a score, I, I don't know. I kind of feel something like 24 to 13. That sounds good. 20, Packers winning, of course. 24 to 13. Interesting. <laughs> I'm going to be a little bold here. I'm going to say that they break the 30 mark this weekend. I think they're going to get 31 points. I think it's going to be 31-20 will be your final score. Um, I I feel like if they can really put some consistency together this week, there's no reason that, that if they have – if they can be more cons- if they can do what they did last weekend and be more consistent, there's no reason this team can't score more than 30 points this weekend. So – 30 to 20 is what I'll go. Ultimately, I think this is a game that as long as the Packers don't take it for granted, regardless of the score, I think they'll win. I think 
we'll be sitting here this time next week, Maggie, and I feel like we'll be talking about a three and O Packers team, which three and O three and O sounds great. And I can, I could let, let's all be honest here. I don't think there was a single Packer fan that had the Packers starting three and I I don't, I don't think it's out there. So if, if we're all being truly honest with ourselves, I think I think we can all say three and O is far exceeding expectations that any, that any of us had. So it's great that we're sitting in this position. It's fun, and just just enjoy it. Enjoy it. The offense is going to get better. It's gonna it's it, it's gonna click. And 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 I think the the first three drives of the Viking game was the proof that it it is going to work. It is going to click. They just need to make it more consistent throughout four quarters of play. I think I think this team's going to be dangerous this year. So, with that, Maggie, um, we're out of time for the day. If people want to follow you on Twitter, your work, how can they do that? You can follow me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney L O N E Y, and you can also find my work at Cheesehead TV. But before I wrap up, because I think this will be something that Jacob listens to after his new arrival is here, I just want to say from the Packaday family. Welcome to the world, baby Westendorf. We already love you, and all of us here on the show cannot wait to meet you. And I'm so excited for Jacob and his family, and I can't wait to see pictures of the baby. <laughs> it was so well said. I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to follow <laughs> that up, but uh, you, you're right. We're, we're, we're so happy for Jacob and his family. Uh, it's, it's really awesome, and I just... I guess the only thing I'll say to Jacob, if you're listening to this, I know you're having a kid and all right now, but this weekend when Wisconsin plays Michigan, we're not friends. For like the three yeah. for the three hours that they play, we're not friends, and then we'll go back to being friends after that. So, um, anyway, we'll, we'll wrap up there with that such negative negativity that I bring to this <laughs> podcast. Uh, we'll wrap up with that. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsMini as if. You do follow me. You've noticed that since the season has started, I've been a little bit more active on Twitter than than usual, but uh, that's just because there's more to tweet about at this point. So with that, make sure if you aren't already following, if you have Twitter, go and follow the Packaday Podcast on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And for sure, if you're like, you know, I, I don't like following a whole lot of people do us a favor and at least go follow Andy Herman. It is like the greatest thing that you can do for your Twitter timeline. You can get so much information, good information, good takes from him. He's our godfather here at Packaday Podcast. Make sure that you're following him for sure. And then also make sure that you are liking and subscribing to the Packaday Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Maggie, do you have one last thing you wanted to throw in here? I wanted to make sure that everyone on Twitter also follows at Jacob Westendorf so that they can see baby pictures. Yes, at Jacob Westendorf, <laughs> yes. And that would be one that I would normally give him time to promote during the show. So thank you for throwing that in there. Yes, at Jacob Westendorf, make sure you follow him. He's a really good follow as well. He does a lot of great work, and you can also see baby pictures. I'm sure at some point he'll put those up on Twitter for the Packaday family to see. So with that, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And when we're back here next week with you guys, we're hoping it's 3-0. and So with that, thank you so much for listening. And as always, Go Pack Go!
a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.